Maundy Thursday, the first time I came to a Maundy Thursday service, I thought we were confused. I didn't know what day to go, Monday or Thursday, but then I understood people were not just having a weird Michigan accent. It, they, they meant Maundy, and I didn't know what that meant, and so I learned uh, that it, it means uh, mandatum. It's, it's the Latin phrase, mandatum. It refers to the command that Jesus gave the night he was betrayed, the Last Supper, he gathered his disciples to celebrate the Passover. What an amazing fulfillment of that meal was about to take place within the hours of completing that meal with his disciples. Something they had done many times before together. Jesus had done his whole life growing up to share in the Passover. We journeyed together through the book of Exodus and we, we know what took place that special night where the angel of death passed over all whose doorposts were marked with the blood of the lamb who was slain. A substitutionary atonement, deliverance from certain death. The Passover. And so Jesus gave this command in John 15, we read, he said this, This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. It's a commandment. A greater love, he said, has no one than this, that, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So he builds this out. What does it mean to love my neighbor as myself? Well, the, the, the fullest meaning of that is about to take place. I'm going to show you what true love looks like. None of them understood at that point they looked back and they heard these words but at that point they didn't understand what he was about to do and going to the cross so i was thinking about how how can we kind of arrive at this table tonight by a different path than we typically take on maundy thursday and what i want to do is arrive here by going back hundreds of years to an event that took place much earlier that points everything to this table this night. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac. We read it in Genesis 22, 1-14. You don't need a Bible to follow along. I'll, I'll put it on the screen tonight. I titled this, The Father and His Only Son. And I want to just journey through these 14 verses and have this in mind as we come to this table together tonight. Let's begin through these verses. In uh, Genesis 22, we begin to, to understand, after these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall show you. Wow. This would have been an unimaginable command for uh, Abraham to hear from the Lord. I mean, this, we're talking about here a, a God, Yahweh, who is not like other pagan culture gods. He is, he is not a God of child sacrifice. This is not in keeping with everything that Abraham knows of God. Now, the Canaanites and the others around, they were practicing horrible things, and child sacrifice was common, but, but not for Yahweh. So not only would it have been difficult for him to conceive of this command coming from the Lord, but who the object of the command was about. We're talking about here the sacrificing of the son of the promise. The long-awaited son. 
Isaac. The son who was promised when Abraham was 75, but did not conceive until Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 at the point that she conceived and was able to give birth then to Isaac. In the waiting time, the 25 years of waiting for this promise to take place, Abraham sought to preempt this long wait. And so Ishmael was born. You remember that? And God said, no, 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 no. That's not my plan. Don't run ahead of me. Wait for me. And so he dealt with Ishmael. But in the sense that, that Isaac, when he was born, he was the only son, the son of the promise. Hmm. Take your son, the Lord said, your only son, whom you love. This bond between Abraham and Isaac was years in the making now. Isaac was probably about 20 years old. Abraham probably 120, increasingly old and frail. And Isaac would have been a tremendous help to his older parents. And, And this son was beloved. Go to a specific location chosen by God. Where do you think that would be? Mount Moriah. I'll show you on a map, but it's unbelievably connected to our story that we gather to tonight. How would Abraham respond? Well, this is what he did. He rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. There's no mention of any conversation with Sarah. There's, there's, there's no sense in which She was there or even knew what was happening or understood the command that he was going to go and sacrifice. In fact, if if Abraham would have told her, who knows what might have gone down? No mention there. No mention of any explanation to Isaac either. He simply gets up, gets his things together, and they leave early. This is a a display of what I would call uh, a faith-filled obedience. He goes in obedience, he doesn't just drag his feet. He goes early. Not because he's excited about this at all, but because the Lord has commanded. The Lord has commanded. What the Lord commands, we do. We follow, we obey, we trust. It's a journey of faith. Three days he journeys. What does that tell us? Well, it tells us that there is no impulse. Let's just get it over with quick. Kill him, no. You, you journey together, side by side, with your son, three days to the place the Lord shows you. It means that this journey is purposeful, and he has to persevere in it. He didn't turn back. He didn't change his mind. After day one, after day two, and on the third day, he lifts his eyes up and he sees the mountain. Then Abraham said to his young men, the servants that he brought, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy, Isaac, will go over there and worship and come again to you. I like this. This is uh, what you call a statement of faith. I and the boy will go and return. We will go and worship and we will return again to you. Why did he leave the servants? Well, maybe they would have sought to intervene when they found out what was actually planned. Uh, So he leaves them behind so that there wouldn't be any concern or or problem. 
And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he, he laid it on Isaac, his son. He took in his hand the, the fire or the, the embers that he brought along to, for the burnt offering and, and the knife. This was a knife that would have been used not for, for cutting, but for killing. It was specifically designed to kill the sacrifice. They went together. It's interesting that he takes the wood of the burnt offering and he set it on the back of his son. Isaac was the one to carry the wood. The son would carry the wood up the hill. The hill chosen by God. Isaac said to his father, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. You hear these words, this exchange? This is love. There's love here. Relationship. Isaac said, Behold the the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I know you're getting old, Dad, but I think you forgot something, right? I mean, we're going up the mountain. We don't even have a sacrifice. What is this about? Isaac is beginning to put this together. He's beginning to understand this is not normal. This is not how we usually do it. The lamb. Hmm. Abraham replied, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Also, tremendous faith. God will provide for himself the lamb. God will provide. You realize that all those who walk through the years of the Old Testament That was their hope. That was their longing. That was their anticipation. So different for us, isn't it? They're waiting. We're celebrating. They're anticipating. We're looking back and saying, He provided. How will it go? What will it look like? They both went together. When they came to the place which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and he he laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac. And he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. This is going a little farther than is comfortable. At this point, if you're Abraham, you're, you're starting to sweat a little bit. Let me show you where Mount Moriah is. They came out of Beersheba, a place that in just... A handful of weeks, we're going to be sleeping in a, a Bedouin tent. Um, it's one of those nights as we uh, journey all through Israel. But we're going to see Beersheba. It's a very desolate place, very hot and dry where Abraham would have been. Then they journey three days up this way. Jerusalem, Mount Moriah. Where do you think this altar was built? If I ever had a a guess, I would venture Golgotha. There is no Jerusalem at this point. It's not there. It's just a mountain. They went up to the mountain, Mount Moriah. And that is where the altar was built. And that is where Isaac was set upon the altar. Think about this. The, The building of the altar and the binding of the sun. How does a 120 year old man bind us a springy 20 year old only if the son 
submits his will to the Father. You see what we're seeing here? This is perfect submission of the Son to the will of the Father. I will go up the mountain, set my face to do the work that is before us. And when it comes time to be bound and to be placed on the altar, I will submit my will. Yet not my will, but yours be done. So I imagine that Isaac not only allowed his hands and his feet to be tied, but probably hobbled over and helped himself to get on the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Do you feel what we're saying right now? Don't do it. But don't do it. Everything in us is just saying, no, this is the son, your only son, the son of the promise, whom you love. Why would you do this? By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, whom he had received the promises in the act of offering up his son, his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This is what is operating in Abraham's mind as this is taking place. He's considering that God was even able to raise Isaac from the dead. He has such faith that he says, listen, Lord, I know this is what you've promised. And I am trusting you that even if you were to take my son and and he would die and then he would burn, I believe that you have a plan for him and that you would raise him even still. We're talking about resurrection in Abraham and Isaac. Amazing. At just the right time. At just the right time. A shout came from the heavens. But the angel of the Lord, not an angel, the angel of the Lord. What do we know that means? Who are we speaking about here? This is the Son of God Himself. The the pre-incarnate Christ, before Jesus was was with us and, and came The Christmas story was born of a virgin. This is the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity. He speaks from heaven with this urgent voice, and he says, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. See what he's done here? I know that you fear God. You haven't withheld your son. You would expect to see him from him. He says, me. This is the son of God speaking. Speaking from the heavens to the very place where he would give his life. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket. So he He turns. They haven't even noticed this ram. He's stuck in this thicket by his horns. There's there's thistles and and things wrapped around his head. He's there. 
Who put him there? Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. It's a substitute sacrifice sent by God, provided by God at just the right time. Isaac stands back, the smell of burning ram flesh, and the blood of the ram, and he's thinking, that should have been me. I was there. The knife was in the air. That's my altar. That should be my blood. Abraham stands by with his arm around his son, his only son whom he loves, and they watch the sacrifice burn in his place. Provided by the Lord. So Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. And throughout history, as the narrator gives us this, he said, to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it said, it shall be provided. And this is Moses narrating for us, right? This is, he's giving us this narration. But we look back on this now as we come to this night. We think about the betrayal. We, we think about uh, the, the weight of the garden. The solitude and the loneliness of Christ as His disciples kept falling asleep. Watch and pray. The kiss. The clubs. Torches. The scattering. The mocking. The beating. The flogging. The false accusations. The washing of the hands. And the nailing of our Savior, the most innocent man this world has ever known. The most horrific sin ever committed on the face of this earth. God was killed. Put to death. Perfect submission to His Father's will. He laid down His life, willingly so. The innocent lamb. Every sacrifice that had ever been slain pointed to Him. Every anticipation the Lord will provide. It will be provided. And listen to His final words. When Jesus had received the sour wine, 3 p.m. comes and He says, It! It! Is! finished and he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit wow on the mountain of the lord it will be provided and jesus says it is finished it's been provided just as was promised all those years ago all of the faith of Abraham and the patriarchs and all of the faith of Old Testament saints found its fulfillment in that weekend, that moment. The crucifixion, 
of Jesus. And so we come to the table tonight with this in view. We, we come with this story. And, and how many other stories? I mean, we think even of the story of Ruth and all that we watched take place there. The redemption. The purchase price. Everything that points us to this Savior. This moment where He lays down His life and He takes upon Himself the punishment that should have been me. Should have been you. That's my altar. That's my cross. That's what I deserve. Under the wrath of God, I should be the one there. Once your enemy. Now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. What love. What a display of God's grace and mercy. You see glimpses here in this of the Father and His relationship with the Son. This love, my, my only Son, whom I love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish. Why? Why? Because Jesus perished in your place. He took your sin upon himself and bore your wrath. What do you get instead? It's a gift. Forgiveness. You get, you get life. Eternal life. You're brought back to walk with God day by day. And so we come to the table tonight and I would just encourage you as you come we're going to serve these elements a little different tonight. Uh, uh, this is going to be uh, an opportunity to come individually. Now, we take communion throughout the year together. And there's, there's volumes of meaning in that. We're one body. We share in this together. And so we hold the elements and we partake all together because we're one in Christ. Tonight, Though I want to encourage us to, to think about the individual nature of our salvation. We're saved individually by God's grace. And so we're going to come when you're ready. Just take your time. Pray over. Thank the Lord for his gift of your Savior Jesus. Confess any sins that he brings to mind. Bring them to the Lord. Lay them at the foot of the cross. And then when you're ready, come and uh, Glenn will be here with the bread. And he's just going to hold it out and remind you what it stands for, what this symbol is. The body of Christ broken for you. And I'll have the cup and I'll tell you the blood of Christ shed for you. You just take a piece of bread and dip it into the cup and then partake and then head back to your seat. Let me pray before we do this. Lord, as we come to this table, we want to acknowledge the lavish love that you have shown us. We don't deserve this gift. We delight in it, though. We think about what Isaac experienced that day, and Lord, there's, there's echoes in our own heart as we gather at the foot of the cross, this altar, that mountain, our Savior, our substitute sacrifice we honor you and we worship you now in this time in jesus name 
Amen.